Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In Parshas Miketz, we read Hare's famous dreams. These dreams are, in fact, recorded in Chumash three times. The first time it is part of a, a narrative. The Torah tells us that Paro had a dream, and, these are, and it tells us specifically what the dreams were. Then we are told that Paro summoned Yosef to interpret the dreams. And Paro repeats the dreams to Yosef. And we, again, are uh, told the dreams in all of their details. And then a third time, or at least another half of a time, because as Yosef interprets the dreams, he references the details of the dreams. Now, commentators, if we would uh, think about what the commentators might say about these dreams, how they would interpret the dreams, we would expect that they would not say anything for the most part until we get to the third uh, statement of these dreams, because the commentators don't need to interpret them for, for us, because Yosef interpreted the dreams. So when the Torah simply begins the narrative by saying uh, Paro uh, had some dreams, and these are the dreams. In, it, in fact, uh, most commentators, including Rashi, say very little about it. Uh, here and there, if we we'll look at Rashi, who of course is our focus, uh, if we look at the first iteration, the first statement of these dreams, Rashi says very little. He uh, helps us with uh, two or three difficult vocabulary words, and that's about all. When Paro repeats the dreams to Yosef, again, Rashi says little to nothing. There's nothing to say, really. It's when Yosef interprets the dreams, so there uh, Rashi helps us understand the interpretation. However, we do find that even in the first statement of the dreams as a narrative, Rashi does insert a little bit of his own interpretation. Let's take a look. This is the very beginning of the of the Torah's narrative telling us that Paro had such and such a dream. Behold, standing by the river, there were coming up out of the river seven cows, they were beautiful of appearance, and they were healthy of flesh, and they grazed in the in the swamp or in the in the grass, whatever exactly Ocho is. We're not going to go into that now. Rashi here, Rashi here says, Yifos Mara, the cows were beautiful of appearance. Says Rashi, Simen Huli Saiva. This is a sign regarding the Yemei Saiva, regarding the years of plenty that were sim symbolized by these uh, fat and good-looking cows, that the briyos, that the people, 
would appear nice to each other. They would appear beautiful to each other. That the eye of one creation would not be stingy upon its fellow. In other words, why did the cows, why, did, why, did, why were they why were they beautiful of appearance? So Rashi interprets that th this is a, a hint in the dream that during the, the good years, people will smile at each other and be generous to each other. And so that's symbolized by the good appearance of the cows. The super commentaries question this Rashi because Rashi seems to be interpreting the dream even before Yosef does. It seems to be out of place. And as I said before, if we look through the rest of Rashi on this first statement of the dreams, Rashi does not interpret hardly at all. So the question is, why is Rashi interpreting this dream even before Yosef does? The Mizrahi explains, but okay, before we get to that explanation, Let's go to one other question. Another question is, first of all, if the Yefais Mara of the first set of cows symbolized that uh, people would be smiling and generous to each other, so then we can probably uh, deduce that the Ro'ois Mara, the bad appearance that is ascribed to the second group of cows, was a, presumably a simon a sign that people would be stingy and angry looking at each other. That would seem to be a very reasonable uh, deduction. And in fact, it says so in a midrash. There is a midrash uh, in the Yalkut Shimoni, which says essentially the same thing as Rashi, that during the good years, people will smile at each other and be helpful to each other and generous to each other. That is, uh, Okay, and in the bad years, the, the Yalkut Shimoni says, when the years are bad, then people become other to their friends. They like, I don't know you. You're somebody else. I don't know who you are. Shinemar, as it says, Sheva Parais Acherois. The Yalkut Shimoni expounds it from the words Sheva Parais Acherois. There were seven different cows. What does it mean they were? They were different. They turned their faces away from their, from their friends and from their companions. They're like someone else. You thought you knew this person? That's when times were good. Now that times are bad, the person makes as if he doesn't know who you are. So we see that this deduction is, uh, is, is correct. That during the good years, Rashi says that people looked kindly upon each other. During the bad years, people looked very stingy and didn't want to help each other. Now, okay, that's fine. The question is that according to this, this, this Midrash that Rashi is quoting and following, the order of events in the Pasuk seems to be incorrect. The Pasuk says there were seven cows, Yefos Maret, they were of beautiful appearance, which according to Rashi is a sign that people will smile and be generous to each other. Uvriyos Basar, and they were healthy of flesh, which of course we know from later on, we know that Yosef interpreted that to mean that there would be lots of food to eat. Now it would seem 
that in reality, the order goes the other way around. First, people experience plenty. They, they experience brioche basar, they experience soba, they experience a good economy with a lot of food to eat. And then they become yifais bared, then they become very friendly. I can afford to be very friendly and generous when I have plenty to eat. But the Pasik puts it backwards. The Pasik says, Yefais Maret, they were smiling and generous. And then it says they were full, they were healthy of flesh. And the same thing on the negative side. The normal order of, event, of events would seem to be that first, Leoleno, there's a terrible famine. And then, because there's so little to go around, people start to become stingy. But it, but it doesn't say that. It says the opposite in the Pasik. The Pasik says, they were, the cows were bad of appearance, which would, would seem to be a hint that people are going to look at each other with a stingy eye. And then it says that the cows were thin of flesh. They were very thin and malnourished. So it seems here again to be in the wrong order. So let's address, let's try to answer these two questions. First, First, first question first. And the question is, why is Rashi sticking in his own interpretation of the dream before even Yosef comes to interpret the dream? And Rashi says that the Yefais Maret, the, the beautiful appearance that these cows had, is a hint that during the years of plenty, people will have a nice appearance <clears throat> towards each other. The Rabbi Eliyahu Mizrahi, super commentary on Rashi, explains that if we look in Yosef's interpretation later on, he only explains Briyos Basar. He explains that the healthy flesh of the first group of cows symbolizes years of plenty. But Yosef does not tell us what Yifais Mare means. He doesn't explain to us what it means that they were beautiful. So since uh, Rashi knew that Yosef is not going to explain this, so Rashi explained it for us. And he said that Yefos Maret is, a, is an additional hint that during the years of plenty, uh, people will look at each other in a beautiful way. Of course, the problem with this explanation is that it means that Rashi was looking ahead to Tukum that we haven't read yet. And as a general principle, it is preferable not to not to ascribe such a, a uh, an approach to Rashi, as we know Rashi himself says that he explains psukim in the order that they are written. So to say that Rashi saw these words yifos maret ubiyos basar, and he said, "Well, wait a minute, I know the psukim later on where Yosef interprets the dream, and he only only discusses briyos basar, but Yosef doesn't explain yifos maret. I better explain it now before people get confused." That would not seem to be the normal way that Rashi operates. Rather, I prefer the approach given here by one of the other super commentaries, the Mask of the David. The Mask of the David points out that it is simply not normal to say about a cow that it is Yefas Mare, that it is beautiful, particularly in light of a comment that Rashi made back in Parshas. Vayetze. In Parshas Vayetze, when Yaakov Avinu first meets Rachel and Leah, 
So the very well-known Pusik tells us, the eyes of Leah were soft. Rashi understands this to be a, uh, not a praise of her appearance, it's a praise of her actions because she was crying for a certain reason, but her eyes were blurry or in some way uh, affected by all of her crying. Rachel was Yefas Toar, she was beautiful of Torah, of appearance, bifas mare, and beautiful of mare, also a word that translates more or less as appearance. Now Rashi there explains what, are the, what is the meaning of these two expressions, which seem to be quite close to each other. Bifas Torah, bifas mare. Rashi says Torah is sura sapartsuf. This is the form of the face, the shape of the of the features, the size of the nose, the nose wasn't overly big or overly small, and so on, the shape of the eyes, and so on. That's called Yifas Torah. If it's everything is well proportioned and beautiful, it's called Yifas Torah. What does it mean, Yifas Mared? Who ziv cluster punic. This is the shine of the visage of the face. There's a certain shine, a cer certain certain splendor in the complexion of the face. Now, the Masculine David says, you certainly don't have that by a cow. A cow's face does not shine forth the beauty of the cow's character and the cow's spirituality or even the cow's physical beauty. You might have a cow that has uh, the proper sized nose and eyes and so on, might be properly proportioned as far as cows are concerned, it certainly, it doesn't seem normal to say that a cow is yifas mared, that it is a beautiful, shining visage. I recently read somewhere that in Saudi Arabia, every year they have a camel beauty contest, which unfortunately, I'm sorry to tell you, was canceled last year due, due to the pandemic. But this year it is, they are back at their competition of camel beauty. But I think most people uh, would, would say that cows and camels just aren't particularly beautiful, certainly not in the sense of that they don't have a shining face. So therefore, Rashi was bothered by something in this Pusik itself. He was bothered by this expression, Yefos Mara, being used in reference to cows. And therefore, what Rashi answers is, essentially, you're right, a real cow does not have ziv cluster upon it, does not have a shine in its face. But this is a dream cow. And this dream cow had a shining face because it's a remnant, because it's a hint that during the seven good years, people will have shining faces towards each other. They will have happy and generous faces as they look at each other. Because when there's plenty to go around, it's easy to be generous. That's how the Mask of the David explains why Rashi gets involved with this bit of interpretation of the dream before even Yosef does, because there was something that was bothering Rashi in the Pasuk itself. Okay, that's the first question. Let's go to the second question. The second question is that the order seems to be incorrect. The, the, the normal order that things would happen would seem to be that people would be briois basar, 
people would be, they would have healthy flesh, meaning they would have enough to eat, and then they would become yafos mare, they would become beautiful and generous of appearance. Why does the Torah put it backwards? And also in the next puzzle, it would seem that the first thing that would happen, that would happen would be dakois basar, people would be very thin of flesh, they would be lacking in food, they would be starving. So then they would become ro'is mare, then they would become bad and stingy of appearance. But the Pasek seemingly puts it backwards. It says first they become stingy, and then they become dakois basar, then they become uh, thin of flesh. I think we, we can say the answer is that that is true, Lamaisa, that is true in actions. It's true that the first thing that would happen is they have a lot of food, and the next thing that would happen is they would have nice shining faces. But when we talk about what's more important, what's really the goal, what is the purpose of either the plenty or the famine, which of course is decreed by Hashem, what is the ultimate purpose? The ultimate purpose is the good feeling or the not such good feeling. Who sent the good years to, to Mitzrayim. So the ultimate purpose was not in and of itself that they should have enough to eat. That's also a purpose, but I don't think that's the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose was the social harmony that was thereby created. The Yafais Maret, the people looked at each other generously. That really was the purpose. And therefore that is placed first. Sof Maaseh, the end result was it was first in thought. And the same thing when it comes to the famine. The ultimate purpose of the famine was not to make people hungry, but it was some sort of a punishment to, to make them stingy to each other. Or, or shall I say, not the ultimate purpose, but the ultimate problem with the famine, the biggest, the biggest problem, of course, not eating is a very big problem, but an even bigger problem is when people become stingy. That's an even a, a worse maka. And therefore, that is placed first. First, not first they became, but they became stingy. That was the worst part of it. Why did they become stingy? Because they didn't have enough to eat. We find that I think a similar idea in Tehillim. Here in Tehillim, uh, chapter Ayan Base, Bittal Ayan Base. So David uh, Amelach is praying uh, for good things to come about during the kingship of his son Shlomo. And one of the things that he prays for is Yisu Harim Shalom La'am. The mountains should lift up peace to the people, and the hills should lift up Siddhaka. Let's uh, consider the first part of the passage. The mountains should, should lift up, should bring forth Shalom. Rashi says, What is this Shalom? What is this peace, or really more accurately, what is this Shlemus? What is this perfection and fullness that he is praying that the mountains should bring forth? 
he means as follows. When the mountains make fruits, when the mountains grow a lot of produce, ein, ein sora. so then the eye of people is not stingy. Then people are not stingy with each other. And each person will call to his friend to come sit with him under his vineyard, under his vines, and under his fig trees. And everybody will be happy and peaceful and friendly. So we see here, I think, a very similar idea in Rashi, that the people will have lots to eat, when the mountains will make lots of fruit. But that is actually not even mentioned in this Pasuk directly. What is mentioned is the shalom, the peace and the goodwill that will be amongst people when they have enough to eat. What the Pasuk emphasizes, what's more important, in other words, is that there will be shalom and one man, one person will call his neighbor over and come sit with me, have uh, something to eat, we'll sit under my fig tree and everything will be friendly and peaceful. I think that's a very important lesson to be, to be learned from this. That is, when there are good times, that is an opportunity for us to be generous with each other. And we should not fail to take that opportunity and to use it. And when chas v'sholom, there is famine or there are difficult times when there is uh, economic problems. So that is a time that we have to remember not to be stingy. We have to, there's, that's a challenge in other words. The good times are there to provide us with an opportunity to be generous and good natured. And the famine, the not such good times are a test to see if we will descend into stinginess and cruelty, and we need to strengthen ourselves to pass that test, to be, to be generous, to be helpful, even when the means to do so are somewhat reduced.